Welcome back, Mighty Vandals, to Tubs of the Club, your University of Idaho affiliate on the Big Sky Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brian Marceau, joined partner A, Dallas Hammer from Spokane. How's it going? Hey, guys. I'm hanging in there. Are those new glasses? Uh, Not new, but I don't know if I've worn them on this show before. Okay. For listeners, this will be riveting, but for viewers, you can see that at least in my light, the frames on Dallas's glasses match the uh, color of the printing, uh, at least part of the color of the graphic of his shirt, which was obviously on purpose. So well done, Dallas. That was absolutely on purpose. You are correct. Uh, well, I knew it. That's why, that's why I narrated. And producing, seducing, and not much else. Martin, how's it going in Moscow? It's going great. Just had some thunder and lightning in Moscow. It's kind of it's quiet in Moscow now after the students all left. I am very happy for a nice slowed down Moscow now. So, well, I understand that things are slowing down. You have your first research assignment. I can see the comment section. Tubs at the club asked, do, the, do they match the drapes? So, Martin, you need to get the answer to that question as quickly as you can. I think you know what they are. I think typically this is like a carpet type of question, but I think we're talking about something else. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Thank you. Goddamn. Amateur hour already, guys. Okay. So, we're going we're gonna to pretend we have a show to start. So, this is the second to last Tubs of the Club episode before we take our summer-ish break for, for a couple months. We'll be back in August when all the football previews recycle. So today we've got a couple things to hit in around the bar brought to us by Hughes river expedition. And the first let's look, the second's actual news. So I want to wait to get to that. The first one, Dallas uh, last week, we recorded a way too early football power rankings episode. And uh, we're not going to rehash that episode right now. You guys can check it out. We spent the entire episode talking about all the big sky teams and the storylines we think are intriguing out of spring ball. So, and Jason Mayer in the comment section saying viewer double. Okay. So yes, you should do that. But Dallas, we've had a week. So in that week that's passed, do you have any buyer's remorse for any of your picks that we ran through? Not mine. Um, I had a slight disagreement with, you know, how we did it, uh, for anybody that for some reason didn't listen, shame on you. Uh, Brian picked the bottom four. I picked the middle four. Uh, and then I picked, well, however, I don't, I don't fuck, We I don't walked remember. through one by one, the final four. Thank you. That was what it was. We walked one by one through the final four. That was it. Uh, I, it, Northern Colorado ended up at number eight. I don't love that. I barely had them in at nine thinking maybe 10. Uh, I think Cal Poly is going to be a little bit better than NAU or uh, excuse me, than Northern Colorado, just because I think they're farther along in their process. Uh, but that's, that was really it for me. Um, we got, we got a whole bunch of heat online for, for picking Montana over Idaho. And I really hope that I'm completely wrong. I think a lot of people seem to think that picking Montana was like a sliding Idaho and it, it wasn't, it was hey Montana's just that damn good. And even a, bad year for them was a better year than Idaho had. Yes, they paid for their playoff game, but, and Idaho obviously didn't, uh, but outside of that, I, Brian, I don't have a huge issue with it. I'm also, it's preseason. Like we don't know shit. We could be completely wrong about this. Okay. So I'm going to go over my regret, which I think you'll have more, you'll have some stuff to contribute there, but for about 30 seconds, can you make the case of either, Cal Poly is better than UNC or just UNC sucks more than Cal Poly. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think Cal Poly is going to succeed way more than in, uh, than UNC because we don't know what we're going to see out of UNC. We know they have Jacob Sermon, but they lost a bunch of guys. They lost the McCaffreys. How are you ever going to replace that? But Cal Poly brings back almost their entire team from last year. And yes, their defense was putrid. Yes, the offense wasn't fully clicking, but we've been talking for years that Cal Poly was going to be a three to four year rebuild because of what they were trying to do, moving from the triple option to a, you know, a, a much more wide open Bo Baldwin style offense. We don't know fully what Paul Wolf is going to do, but Paul Wolf kept, again, almost the entire staff intact. They're also bringing in Sam Heward. Now, I'm not a guy that thinks you bring in an FBS transfer and he's going to succeed immediately. I think Paul Moala coming here to Idaho for one year and having an incredible season, that happens. It certainly happens a lot. But I've also seen a bunch of guys, even when it was just power five to group of five, I mean, Brian Reed was one of the worst quarterbacks I've ever seen play at Idaho. Uh, he was a nice guy. He just, it just didn't cut it very well here. Uh, part of that was his coaching was quite poor, but the guy was at Arkansas at one point in the SEC. And by the time he was at Idaho, he wasn't all that great. And if you look across the, the landscape of college football right now, there are guys that committed to USC that are, have fallen down to rice and are hoping to hang on to jobs at rice. So, Seeing Sam Heward drop down, I'm not going to immediately anoint him as the Walter Payton winner, best player in the nation. But I, I do think Cal Poly just has more talent in and out than Northern Colorado. The coaching staff is intact. That's what I would I would pick Cal Poly over UNC, Brian. That's that's like my one big regret. It, the I want to I want to buttress one point that you brought up, which that Jay is Constantine went to Rice. Yes, obviously Jay Constantine went to Rice. Shout out to our Weaver fans. You. We actually just got to live through the maybe highest profile recruit in the history of the Big Sky Conference to drop down to the Big Sky. That was Dylan McCaffrey. And he dropped down because he wasn't very good. So I completely I completely get and agree with your wait and see take on Sam Heward uh, because the, the when people are working their way down conferences it often doesn't it's not because they're kicking ass um i guess a similar thing i'm going to pivot now to montana it's a similar asterisk um could also go go to montana because um their transfer quarterback god his name is mistake is escaping me right now it's a guy who transferred from oregon state to boise state and then to montana i'm gonna i'm so pissed that i do not have that name crack research team martin is currently typing Dallas looks like he might be typing. Yes, I'm. it's Sam Vidlack. Sam Vidlack. Okay, we'll get this down. Thank you, crack research team. Okay, Sam Vidlack working his way down in prestige to Montana. Hey, like, reason to have asterisk about even if the guy looks good in spring ball. Uh, we, we'll have to see him actually play. We'll have to see if Montana has a line whatsoever that will give him time. But um, I guess my regret, the more I think about it, honestly, it's Idaho. And it's not... It's, it's Idaho and Montana, I think, are mostly right in toggling back second and third. Uh, the first has nothing. The first regret I have has nothing to do with anything we talked about on the show last week. It's that I got messaged by Colter Nuanez after our show. And he told me right after spring football, the number one cornerback for Montana stayed. But their number two, number three and number four DB is both safety and corners combined bailed like right after spring ball so some of the talent montana had they they're, they're in the market now for replacements just like idaho's in the market for replacements for uh paul moala departing to georgia tech uh, but i guess i want to the reason i want to bring up idaho as a regret 
is the more I think about this Idaho team, the fact that Giovanni McCoy on paper has to be the your first team quarterback heading into you know whenever we have the the spring pulling. If Tommy Millat is the number one quarterback, it's just because the people who send in their ballots are the Montana media members, and that's it. But as a passer, he's easily the top returning guy. So we know we we know Idaho has that. Um, we look, we know there's questions about the line, but the fact that we Idaho has such kick-ass receivers and Jason Eck and Schleisner are game to adjust strategy based off what's working. Like, you know, early in the season, we saw Idaho not pass very much while they were not yet trusting McCoy. And that changed as the season progressed. There's a lot of ways where I see Idaho next year as having kind of a floor of an Eastern Washington type of team. And that Idaho is going to be able to put up about as many points per game as they want to. Um, I don't think they're going to have like Bo Baldwin level shitty defenses, uh, but there's also not yet a bunch of NFL guys we know about at the receivers. So like throw that little asterisk for that isn't men's a slight to Bo Baldwin teams, but that that, that's kind of what I see Idaho as now, the further I get away from our power rankings is the type of team who they're going to be able to score a ton. They're not going to be awful defensively. So the type of teams that might be able to, that'll give Idaho trouble, of course, Montana state, you'd have to put there and then maybe teams that can be a little more disruptive defensively than you might've thought, which still, Hey, Montana and Weber are in there, but I just bring that up as a regret because I think the ceiling of Idaho's offense is probably higher or at worst equal to the ceiling of Montana defensively, but the floor of Montana's offense, even with Pitt moving around their coaching staff, that floor, I think is a much lower floor than Idaho's defensive floor is going to be. So with like, if we were redoing those rankings today, it's not because people moaned about it. Actually, I don't, I like when people comment on the shows, but like you and I have been open. Uh, We just say what we think is correct and that's it. But because of that dynamic, if we redid our, our ballots today, I'd put Idaho at number two. Counterpoint. You just mentioned all of those departures from the Montana secondary, but you also forgot addition by subtraction their secondary will be better just in the fact that they're not going to be trotting Robbie Houck out there. So devil's advocate, you took off the biggest hole on the team. Yeah, you've got a bunch of new faces, but at least you don't have a gaping hole in your secondary. No, Brian, this is this is such a, honestly, we're talking 2A and 2B here. I... I would still put Idaho third just because I trust in Montana's offensive line. Again, they weren't great last year, but they brought everybody back. I just don't see Idaho's line holding up all the way that I would like to see it. I'm hoping I'm wrong. I'm hoping the guys stay healthy. I think if the the offensive line stays healthy, I think Idaho could win the entire fucking thing. But I, it's college football. You don't just trot out 11 guys on one side, 11 guys on the other, and then those are your guys. You have to play a whole bunch of bodies. I just don't think Idaho has the depth there yet. But I also, for people that think Idaho is number two, I don't necessarily think you're wrong. We're talking, I mean, razor thin margins here between between these two schools. I want to go over one more intangible just on this back and forth. Is because I, I agree. It's they're very close. That's why I've gone back and forth on it's just shifting who's two and who's three. Like we're not going from mm-hmm. two to four or two to twelve or something like that. Yeah. An intangible on the Montana side that is uh, is not in favor of Montana is 
converse just like i said earlier in that jason eck and staff they will adjust based off what's working based off what they need to work bobby hauck who i've probably defended more on this show than a lot of our fans would like or a lot of online messaging would uh agree with because bobby hauck has only been a, a at worst a solid coach at best he's been one of the most successful coaches in big sky history but in the last couple of years as he's had more of his guys and fewer stits, the um, it looks like he's starting to put a little bit more of a stranglehold on what this team can be. Whereas in his first two years, that was when Dalton Sneed was their quarterback. Montana threw the ball around a ton and they were scoring a ton. They were also strong defensively, but they had to put up points, especially in his second season to make the playoff run they did how they they hung about 70 some points on southeastern louisiana in their first playoff game that season and that willingness to open up the playbook that willingness to be aggressive offensively has been fading the last couple seasons and i'm starting it what it feels like is that bobby hauck look bobby hauck may have to have his offense score some more points if montana is going to be what all their fans want them to be, if they're going to be a team that's going to threaten to return to the final eight again. And the last couple of seasons would tell you if for this to happen, Bobby Houck would have to completely take his hands off of Montana's offensive strategy. And we just haven't seen evidence last two years that he's game to do that. We saw it in his first couple of seasons back in the big sky, but um, it seems like he's regressed in that sense. So I guess in terms of another intangible to throw on, I look, I put coaching intangibles honestly in favor of Idaho at this point with the, you know, maybe asterisks that uh, Bobby Houck now with, with um, Jay Hill having left Weber state for BYU, Bobby Houck is probably understood as the best special teams head coach in, in the big sky. So by uh, that's another, that's another, you know, little asterisk in favor of Montana, but I, I really do think Idaho's coaching the way they have a more modern orientation, the way they are. I'm just going to keep hitting this time and time again. Idaho is game. Their coaching staff is game to be flexible in a way that mirrors. It's not exactly the same way Troy Taylor was at Sac State, but it's in that base, in that kind of family of coaching in that Troy Taylor didn't give a shit how Sacramento State won his, his first season. They won when he had Kevin Thompson, Sac State threw the ball a ton. Last season, Sac State had the dual quarterback system, and they ran a ton with you know both running quarterback Asher O'Hara and uh, Big Sky Offensive Player of the Year, I believe, Cameron Scadaboo. So Jason Eck is in that family of he'll do whatever the hell they need to to win games. And I don't – these last couple of years, Bobby Houck hasn't been that kind of guy who will do whatever he needs to for Montana to pick up a win. So that, that extra part is why – I, I nudge Idaho just a little bit in front of Montana, Dallas, although I don't know how much of that you caught jumping back on. I missed absolutely all of it. The platform we use, StreamYard, decided it couldn't read my microphone or my webcam. But Dallas, so your I, mic is major echo now. Like, it's recording from your camera. Fucking piece of shit. <laughs> okay. So, hey, while Dallas is getting that... Good God. While Dallas is getting his uh, tech trouble... Fi- figured out by the way now viewers are missing out on this This is where watching the show is great martin is just laughing his ass off in the background uh while dallas is getting his stuff figured out i i actually didn't hear any echoes martin but uh before while we're waiting for dallas to get back we're gonna we're gonna hit our we're gonna hit on hughes river expedition yeah look they've been longtime sponsors uh colin scott hughes is a kick-ass vandal and look here's the basics dudes 
if you want to go on any sort of rafting trip, you need to call Hughes River Expedition. Doesn't matter if you're just a family wanting to wanting you and a few people to join a larger crew. It doesn't matter if you're a corporate entity, if you're a coach who's wanting to do some sort of team building. Hughes River does all that stuff. Whatever you want to do, Hughes River fits in and it's they take care honestly, it's fully inclusive. They take care of everything. They get they take care of the food, they obviously take care of the equipment. You just show up and have a good time. That's it. That's that's the entire business model. No matter what you want to do, whether it's a big trip or small trip, get a hold of Hughes River Expedition. That's 800-262-1882 or check them out at HughesRiver.com. Dallas, while uh, you were getting yourself situated, we closed the book on football remorse. Anyway, guys, you can always listen to the episode. Tell us for morons. Uh, we're, we've got basketball news to talk about. Uh, first off, we have a signing class. We'll hit in a second. But... We have a complete coaching staff now. Uh, Alex Pribble, it is no longer Alex Pribble and the uh, dudes we talked about on the show. We have the complete staff. So to run through the staff, we already talked, we've done an episode on Alex Pribble. You guys know who he is. We had an episode talking about Brandon Laird, associate head coach, most recently of note was interim head coach of Sacramento State. You guys already knew Matt Jones was the third assistant coach if you've been listening to our show. But to fill out the roster, Alex Pribble picked up David Dunham as the number two assistant. Uh, Dunham is coming over. He had been head coach at Western Washington University. That's D2 in the GNAC, which is the same conference as like Central Washington. Um, most, most, recently at, I, most recently at Western Washington, uh, look, we had, oh man, uh, sorry, just technical difficulty on my end. Uh, you're welcome. Dallas, I'm going to throw it to you in a second. David Dunham has head coaching experience, successful head coaching experience at Western Washington. Dave Dunham also was, uh, he has some junior college coaching experience as well. So closing out the, the list of coaches, David Dunham hits the number two spot. Dallas, what's your take? All right. Can you guys hear me? Yes. All right. Thank goodness. Uh, no, I'm, I'm thrilled uh, to have David Dunham. I mean, a, a guy who's got 16 winning seasons under his belt, 17 seasons of experience. I, I mean, this is going to sound mean, but I really don't care. I think that Idaho replaced Zach Kloss and his assistants with three coaches that are certainly better coaches than Zach Kloss ever was. I don't know enough about the third coach uh, that we'll get to uh, because his tenure is just he, he's been like a grad assistant. He's been a video ops guy like he he's at the bottom of the ladder. But Brian, I'm, I'm thrilled. I, I, I truly honestly if you had told me David Dunham was replacing Zach Kloss, I would have been pretty happy with it. So to have him just as the middle assistant on the bench, couldn't be more happy about it. Yeah. So the, the junior college experience that David Dunham has was in the NWAC, which that's a Northwestern conference. He was at Wacom community community college before Western Washington. Um, Yeah. I just want to agree with you there too, Dallas of, we were open on the show saying, Hey, if Jeremy Harden was on staff, we'd be cool with that. But minus Jeremy Harden coming back, there was no one on the staff. I wanted anywhere near Idaho basketball. I think we upgraded it virtually every spot. And look, even with Harden, who we we've only heard positive things about Jeremy Harden. Well, Watkins has a sim as honestly a superior background and that he both was a junior college head coach who was successful, but then 
He was a D2 head coach as well. So I like that we have three dudes on the bench who have between division one or division two head coaching experience. That's, you know, from Pribble, who's the head coach now and had been a D2 head coach to Brandon Laird was head coach at, uh, at Sacramento state for a year. And then now Dunham three dudes with head coaching experience success and mostly successful running through their records. Um, I just think we're going to see a gigantic step up in terms of strategy next year. And I think it's just going to be a breath of fresh air showing up to the, to ICCU next season. And we don't have to be concerned about, okay, like is, is this more on the bench going to cost us more games? So anyway, huge thumbs up for me, Dallas. We now have, we have a recruiting class now that we can run, run a little bit through. And Hey, listeners, Want to throw a quick asterisk before we start talking about the recruits. Dallas and I are pretty similar here in that we think everyone should be stoked about having a new class of, of student athletes coming to Idaho. But look, every team across the nation, when they have new guys signed, virtually everyone in the excitement assumes like, okay, well, these guys are obviously going to be winning the league because we have new guys. Keep in mind, every team gets new guys and every team gets excited about their new guys. But there are some names on this roster that when I saw they'd committed to Idaho, I, uh, I was floored, but Dallas one, I Dallas, are you, you with us right now? I th- sure hope so, Brian. You are. Okay. You're He's doing with that camera. I think. Okay. You're coming through, but Dallas, we're not just going to run through a list. I want to just talk about some of the things that are most intriguing about the uh, recruits that Pribble landed. So I guess I want to throw it to you to start with of the signed guys, Dallas, who, who are you, who do you have circled in your mind right now of as this is the first dude I want to be paying attention to when I go to an opening night game at ICCU. Oh, that's a great question, Brian. I, he's the local, I mean, he's local as in he, he's from Billings, but the really local, cause he played just down the road at NIC. I'm pretty excited about Julius Mims. Uh, Six nine forward from a small school, kind of getting that those Isaac Jones vibes. Really hope that we see that kind of impact again. I don't know if that's what's going to happen, but as uh, C Hansen drops in the comments, uh, awesome, awesome nickname, Juice Mims, uh, Julius Juice Mims, as in Orange Julius, just truly phenomenal A plus stuff there. Uh, he at NIC, he was well, honestly he was great. Uh, his freshman year, he averaged seventeen point four points a game, nine point one rebounds a game. Uh, last year, 16.9 points a game, shot 58% from the field and 41% beyond the arc. Uh, almost averaged a double double, 9.9 rebounds a game. So, if you're, t- you know, if he if he does the Russell Westbrook, go stand under the basket and just completely disregard the play, trying to get that triple double stat. If he would have done that, probably average a double double last year. Honestly, if you're looking at this team and seeing, well, Isaac Jones is gone. Realistically, everybody's gone this is a guy I think could step into the starting role immediately and hopefully have a pretty big impact. Yeah. So I want to add on to Julius Mims. Um, he was a high jumper in track. So the fact is not just that there's athleticism, by the way, the, the dude can shoot threes as well. When he was at NIC, which for uh, if listeners are not aware of what NIC means, uh, that's, that's North Idaho college. Uh, Mims shot 41.3% from three on more than on in between three and four attempts per game. So not only is does he have the si- a size to match a guy like Isaac Jones last year, 
but a different dimension he's going to add is he can shoot. And look, Pribble talked about this in his press conference. He wants to have a lot of guys who could shoot to, to spread the floor, do the whole pace and space thing offensively. Mims is the type of post who can let you do the whole pace and space thing. And he's a run jump athlete as well. Uh, the uh, the guy that I'm kind of most stoked about Dallas is Tyler Linehart. He's he's six seven. He's a transfer from University of Washington. Didn't really play much at University of Washington, but before he committed, he was a, the number one rated high school player in the state of Washington uh, as a senior. And th- look, the reason I want to bring Linehart up is look, obviously a high profile recruit dropping down to the big sky from a, you know, power five school where he didn't play much. There's a little bit that can remind you of maybe a Raekwon battle, which is exactly what battle did when he dropped down from university of Washington to Montana state took a year for him to really get his sea legs. Then battle took off at Montana state, but liner one, he has that pedigree of a guy who maybe he just needs to get some more reps and he's going to have an, he's going to have athleticism and skill that'll, stand out relative to, to big sky level. But the other thing is there's a lot of dudes that Pribble signed that are about in between six, five and six, seven liner. If I'm saying his name's right or Linehart, he's, he's six, seven. And the reason I bring that up is look, Idaho only has like two or three posts on the roster, but with the amount of size that Pribble has recruited in this class, the amount of guys who are six, five or six, seven, we'll talk about more it doesn't really matter that much because Idaho is going to be just bigger across the board that has to help with rebounding that has to help defensively. But then again, a ton of these dudes are shooters, Dallas. So Pribble is look. He, he, he said he wanted to recruit guys like this and that's who he has. Like uh, Linehart's also from the Seattle area. A ton of these recruits have Northwestern footprint, but I'm look, I'm done filibustering you Dallas. We've hit two. I want to say one thing about Linehart real quick, Brian. The, I think he might be the most intriguing guy on this roster because we didn't see him at UW. I think he played in three games and I think he had six points. So very little time to play. He's from a small private 1A school in Washington. So for those who, who don't know enough about uh, Washington, there's A to B, the higher the number. So like 5A, there's not a 5A in Washington, but 5A is above 4A, is above 3A, etc. He was from a 1A school, so very small school in Washington. This is the kind of guy that is either, hey, he's going to have to sit on the bench and just learn college basketball, or stepping back down from the Pac-12 to a big sky school is not quite the same leap as going from a 1A school to the Pac-12. He could end up being the team MVP. Uh, He also could be a guy who redshirts just to get another year underneath him, but before you know fully bulking out I, who knows but very excited about that one brian okay so we've hit two most intriguing dudes um i guess who is of the signees that you saw who was the guy who when you saw their background you were the most shocked that they they came to idaho Ooh, most shocked that I, that they came to idaho that ooh. That is a great question. Uh, honestly, I was pretty shocked that a guy like EJ Neal is coming to Idaho. I truly thought, looking at his resume, I thought he's bound to be going to a better program than one of the 25 worst Division One programs in the nation. Uh, for anybody that doesn't know, EJ Neal, uh, transfer from City College of San Francisco. So, again, Juco guy, going to come in and you assume probably play pretty quickly. Uh 
not a huge scorer, but a, a very good defensive guy. Uh, ended up with 31 steals last year, uh, 20 blocks and, uh, as a guard, which is, is pretty impressive. Uh, led San Francisco uh, City College to 29 and four record. Uh, he was an all tournament guy. If you go go look at his Twitter, he tweets out a journey about his JUCO uh, defensive player of the year, double uh, or twice all first team all defense. Honestly, just a guy like that, I expected would fit in somewhere like in a lower Pac-12 school or even a West Coast Conference school. Just did not seem like Idaho was the kind of place that he was going to end up. I'm going to go with Trey Blassingame, who's a transfer from Farley Dickinson. And like he didn't play a ton at Farley Dickinson. So, again, just like with every guy who transfers to Idaho, because Idaho is last in the Big Sky Conference, like we're going to be ex- extrapolating uh, moving – you know, moving from Farley Dickinson to Idaho isn't the same type of, of transfers going from University of Washington to University of Idaho. But I, I bring him up because the, when we look at the roster, we know there's different roles that some of these guys can project into. Like EJ Neal, he's a 3 and D type of player, not really a shot creator, but shot about 40% from threes at San, at San Francisco Community College where he's a catch-and-shoot type of player. Okay, understand how he fits in. Uh, Julius Mims as a post who can stretch the floor and you know is a run jump athlete. I know how he fits in. One of the things that we're gonna Idaho's going to need is guys who can handle the ball and guys who can create shots. And Blasting Game, who he look, he's from Western Washington, Washington. So again, a ton of dudes are from the from that area, which makes a ton of sense because Alex Bribble was obviously recruiting for Seattle U before he recruited recruit for Idaho. Blasting game looks like the kind of guy who could be a shot creator. And Vandals are certainly going to need that, but also in the more traditional sense of it, not like Devontae Moffat creating shots for himself by dribbling around for nine hours. Uh, more as in, he looks like he's a relatively shifty dude who can shoot. So Blasting game to me was a huge hit in that direction. Um, the other, I, I guess... The, Another another dude that I that I think of as a as a potential potential shot creator is Christian Gonzalez, who he he's a freshman. So blasting games and he's going to be a sophomore because he he was at Farley Dickinson last season. Christian Gonzalez, he's going to be a freshman he's from Matter Day High School. Uh, one had been a commit to Sacramento State. So Pribble snagged a dude from another Big Sky school. Uh, Look, I don't care about the pedigree from Sacramento State. I just like the idea that, wow, Idaho's, Idaho is stealing recruits elsewhere. But Christian Gonzalez looks like another guy who could be a potential shot creator on coming into Idaho. And the dudes are going to handle the ball and create shots, especially, you know, let's say end of the shot clock if the offense breaks down a teeny bit. That's rules that Idaho, look, every team needs that. And in Idaho, we didn't have that to the extent that I, I feel like Idaho really needed it last season, or he didn't have it in a way that uh, was more normal relative to what we typically see. You know, Gonzalez, 6'3", 180-pound combo guard. You guys see combo guards typically. Just read that as a shooting guard who can be a nominal point guard, which is to say sh- this is a guy who we should understand as a potential shot creator. Brian, I'm going to just completely change this up. Um Somebody I want to talk about. Uh, I'm looking at it. We're, we're 34 minutes in. We're 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 already halfway through our time here, or maybe more than half our time through here. Uh, very excited. Hopefully, again, hopefully we see some of those guards pass the ball a little bit more than we saw with Devonte Moffat as our comment section jumping in. Uh, C. Hansen saying Moffat was a ball stopper on O. Tom Kendall saying pass the damn ball, Moffat. I'm pretty sure I'm. If I ever have to say that again, it's going to be too long, or it'll be just that was man, that was just not fun. But 
one guy that I'm really excited for, I it's funny because you don't see a whole lot of six nine gingers playing basketball, but Kyson Rose is a guy that I'm looking at that hopefully he ends up being a, a, a star here. Uh he's the NWAC player of the year last year. Honestly, when you look at his numbers, just truly incredible stuff. Uh again, please check this out on YouTube or Google him. The guy does not look like a basketball player. Like, let's just be real. Like, big, tall, ginger guy, you don't see that a whole lot. Last year, obviously played 30 games last year in the in the NWAC. He ended up uh, shooting 62% from the field. Also shot 38% from three. This guy is a 6'9 forward. Shot 39% from three. He chucked up 72 threes. So not a ton, but also not a just post. Like, the guy can, the guy can take a couple threes. Uh second in the conference in rebounds, fourth in the conference in points, uh, eighth in the conference in assists. Somehow, I, I don't even know how that works. I, I, I'll i be honest, I haven't gone and watched the guy's tape yet, uh, but just looking at the releases and looking at his historic stats in the NWAC, very excited to see what happens with that guy. Or, as uh, Brian might call him, Ned. Christ. I will so, also just quickly add one thing. He was basketball player of the year for the NWAC as well, so... Yes, thank worked you. Worked out okay for Idaho last time they got him. Okay, so I have to see the comment section. Tom Kendall saying same high school as Zach Borsch won three A title, which was Kamaik in high school in the the Tri Cities, Washington. So the dudes, another local dude from Central Washington. I just looked at the guy's tape because while you were talking Dallas, because I was intrigued. And Kyson Rose has pretty damn good footwork. He isn't he isn't a, a like explosive run jump athlete but the guy looks relatively shifty, relatively comfortable with the ball. And Dallas, you asked how he, how you could be like number eight in a conference and assist. Well, he looks like he's relatively skilled with the ball and he could score. So teams doubled, which means he passed out to double teams. Or, I mean, also when a guy is skilled like that, you coaches can run the offense a little bit more through a person who's comfortable passing or, you know, can move around a little bit. And, and Kyson Rose certainly has some old school post footwork that uh, a lot of our viewers who are over the age of 20, if the dude gets to play much, if he gets to show it off, will certainly enjoy seeing. Um, Want to just hit a couple other recruits pretty quick. The goal wasn't to run through every single recruit, guys. We're just hitting some highlights. Uh, and as we know more about the team, we'll certainly talk. Um, stoked that, look, Idaho also picked off this guy named Tyler Moose, who had, had been playing at Alaska Fairbanks. That's a D2. Uh, but he's also he's from Bothell, Washington. So again, look, you're just going to hear from Western Washington on a ton of the dudes that we signed. Uh, but Bruce produced at the D2 level, averaged right around four, right around 12 as a freshman. He's at six seven. He can handle the ball. He can shoot. He fits that generic kind of category of player that Pribble talked about in his press conference of having multiple guys who can handle the ball in transition and multiple guys who can shoot and. Uh, Maroose doesn't have explosive athleticism like, you know, for example, like Julius Mims relative to his position, but Maroose can move fast enough. He's a shifty athlete and he already produced at the D2 level. So that that's a signee in my mind worth paying attention to. Uh, last thing I'm going to hit before throwing to Dallas because we just haven't touched it. There's three total returners on the roster, which is Titus year out who didn't play last season. Jack Hatton, who played like, you know, two minutes last season. Then Taron Frank, who was a starter last season before dislocating his ankle at specific at Pacific, not 
get your luck. But I he bring, specifically broke it at Pacific. Thank you, thank you, thank you uh, for that verbal typo fix. But anyway, um, Frank is one of the few posts Idaho has on the roster, but I bring that up because, look, this is essentially an entirely new roster that we're looking at, which is why this far away we can only talk about a little bit of how the dudes project. But Dallas, I guess before we talk about maybe hit another guy or two, I, just, I didn't, hadn't asked you about this. We know Isaac Jones has gone to Washington State. So, like, hey, good news for Isaac Jones. Kind of sucks for Idaho that we lost that dude. But I want to ask overall, the idea that this roster is essentially a complete do-over for last season, does that have you more bought in than you would be otherwise? Absolutely. Uh, it, it, I, and I mean no disrespect to the guys that have been here before. Uh, obviously, I would have loved to have seen Isaac Jones come back. I think uh, a lot of our Discord folks mentioned Dom Ford was a guy we would like to have seen back. Nigel Burris, specifically, another guy that would have been awesome to see him spend a four-year career here. But... On the other hand, Brian, we saw Zach Kloss turn this roster over every single year and it never worked. So to see, you know what, let's just strip the roster down. Uh, obviously, Frank played a couple of games with Kloss. Euro played zero. Hatton played, I don't know, seven minutes over the last two years. So to have a, com just a, a completely fresh team, for a fresh coach, it, it it's a clean break from the five years of pain we've seen with the one year of Verlin and then the four years of Kloss. This is this is going to be much easier to stomach, especially because if they're bad, which guys, I'm I'm not going to sit here and predict Idaho to win the the conference. We don't know anything about this team. These it, it's an entirely new roster. It it's going to be easier to stomach any struggles because it is going to be a completely new system, completely new coaches, completely new faces on the court. I, if, if I'm being honest, Brian, I would have been pretty frustrated to see most of last year's roster come back because I think with Pribble, I think they're going to play a lot better basketball. And I think that they probably will win more games than they did last year. And if they were doing that with the, the roster from before, I think it would have just started the incensed ramblings of, why the fuck did Zach Kloss get to stay here for four years? You you fired John Newley out of nowhere in the worst possible timing to do it, but you wouldn't move on from Zach Kloss when everyone with a, with two working eyes or even one working eye could see that this wasn't going to work. So long story short, I'm very happy that it is a essentially fresh break, completely new era with almost no ties to the past. Yeah, I, I'm going to co-sign that and just say it in a hit a couple different points. Um, the three dudes that we talked about on this show saying, hey, these would kind of be the guys we'd hope come back, uh, which you already talked about Dom. Talk about Dom Ford. Well, he landed at Southern Utah. Uh, talk about Nigel Burris. He landed at Utah State. We already hit that Isaac Jones landed at Washington State. Well, just bring that up because the three dudes that we wanted to come back, they're all D1 elsewhere. So, hey, we weren't wrong. All those dudes either delivered promise like Isaac Jones or showed quite a bit of promise in some way or another, which is why other D1 schools who, look, compared to Idaho last year, all of, the, all of those three guys transferred upward. So, hey, congrats to all of them. But uh, with those three guys gone, I'm stoked that Titus Yearout is still on the roster because I think it's good for – for the local dudes that Idaho recruits, even if they don't play a ton, I think it's just good for connecting with community for those guys to be there. 
Um, I, I hope he has a chance to, to play, but look, we didn't see him last year. So we have no idea how his athleticism is going to transfer to the big sky, but Hey, he's got a shot this year. Uh, but the fact that the three dudes people really wanted to come back are gone made me feel like, yeah, I, complete roster turnover is, is great news. Uh, completely turning the page on Zach Kloss era in any sort of meaningful way. Great news. Uh, it has me bought in significantly more. Look, if Isaac Jones was still here, then you'd say, well, look, we're putting four shooters around an all big sky level post, but that ship has sailed. We, we knew a little bit ago that Isaac Jones wasn't coming back. So once that was off the table, um, you know, I wish the best for Burris and Ford, but um, you know, I'm okay with those two guys moving on. I hope they have good careers, but the Pribble getting more shots to kind of gamble that he's going to hit a few home runs. I think that was more worth it for, for Idaho. And I think a ton of fans are going to feel the same way. Um, you know, kind of di- you touched on women's. I just want to hit that for a second because the women's and men's context is so different. Um, I think fans are fans are going to view Pribble as a savior because he's re- he, look, he's replacing Klaus. So he, he could just be an average coach. and He'll feel like a genius for the first couple of years. But the fact that there's the, you know, he has Pribble has universal um, acceptance at this point means also all the new dudes are going to be understood in the same way as, and there's no residual angst or whatever from Zach Claus time. It gets to be very easy to just say, Hey, new guys, new team. I'm in. The the one other thing I want to quickly mention about just the, the roster construction, Brian, is there's one senior on this year's roster. Not that again, we've seen so much turnover over the last five, six years, but it, it is very nice to to almost feel like maybe this is a roster that can grow together a little bit and not just have a quick reset every single year because it's obviously not working. Uh, that one senior being D'Angelo Minnis, who is coming over from Western Washington, much like David Dunham. So maybe we get to see a Isaac Jones-level all-conference player out of that. But, uh, Brian, when you just looking at, the, at how Idaho basketball has been handled since – the Zach Kloss firing. I, I couldn't be happier with this. I, I don't think. Um, obviously, you'd love to have Isaac Jones back. I mean, any anybody would say that. Like anybody, any any team in the Big Sky would love to have Isaac Jones right now. That's why he's not in the Big Sky anymore. Uh, but looking at the way this roster is constructed, I completely agree. I think everyone gets a a fresh perspective. You you get a little bit of that hope, or maybe it's copium. I'm not sure uh, that that. We're going to feel, because Brian, when, when we hit basketball shows in the fall, even if they're terrible, we're talking about the positives we see and what's building towards the future and not we're rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic while people are firing grenades at the sinking ship. Like It's, it's just a completely different perspective, and I'm, I haven't been excited for basketball in a really long time, Brian, and this is the first time in years that I am actively telling my wife we have to plan weekends around coming down to vandal games yeah dude i just want to hit that too like instead i want to we'll, we'll talk about the other players in a second but look the other thing just like jason egg in his his press conference where like jason egg talked about being flex he was going to build his team around the talent and then we saw that in the season well hey look pribble talked about the team he was going to build which was essentially he talked about building an Eastern Washington type of team and just scanning through the rest of the recruits really quick. Like we already hit on blasting game. Who's a potential scorer. Hey, uh, Quinn Denker, six, three transfer guard from Cal state, San Marcos shot over 40% from three average double figures. That's a D two school. So, Hey, produced elsewhere. And he has a 
skill that translates to D1, being able to shoot. Already talked about Christian, Christian Gonzalez. Takai Hardy, freshman, he, he did a post-grad year at Sunrise Christian Academy. He's a post. He's an athlete. That That's one of the things that I'd hope probably need to add along with Mims to say we need at least another potential post who can see the floor. At 6'7", he's maybe a teeny bit undersized, but as a potential run-and-jump athlete, that doesn't matter as much in the big sky. Uh, we got already hit Liner, already hit Mims. You just hit Menace. Hey, Menace shot over 40% from three at D2. Already talked about Roos and Neil shooting over 40% from three at their junior college or D2 spots. So that roster of long guys to the extent we could, guys who can handle the ball and guys who can shoot, Pribble already delivered on that, just looking at the dudes he added. And it with how awful basketball ended in the, the Zach Claus era in Dallas, yeah, this is a goddamn breath of fresh air. I didn't spend a single penny on Idaho basketball tickets because I, I decided not to. When Zach Claus was coming back, I'm like you. Uh, I'm already thinking about, okay, I got to look at the schedule. I got to see how this works. I am absolutely going to get down to ICCU. I'm absolutely going to be part of this excitement. And just like in the first year of Jason Egg, when we got the, got the relief from you know Paul Petrino clusterfucks to Jason Egg being fun and good and competent, uh, this is what basketball feels like it's set up to be where we get to go from the worst coach. Any of us will ever see at any point in our lives, needlessly being there for an extra year to, Hey, this is what it looks like when a guy who at least kind of knows what he's, what he's doing gets to call a game. And look, Pribble still hasn't even, hasn't even coached a game yet, but I can guarantee you when we show up, everyone's going to be stoked to see the product on the floor everyone's going to be looking for reasons to get bought in. And that's exactly what Idaho has been lacking. Idaho was lacking that in football and basketball simultaneously for about three-ish consecutive years, four, four if you go back to Verlin's last season. And now we get both of these sports at the level where, we look, you don't need to be an ironic fan. You don't need to run through your head, hey, like, how do I root for the athletes but hate Zach Claus at the same time? No, it's done. You get to just show up, relax, and enjoy the basketball game, and it's about damn time. Brian, I I know that this is old news because ICCU Arena is not new at this point anymore. It is gently broken in. I am so excited to go see more games at this arena. I've, I've been there. I've walked through it a couple different times during football games, but or before football games, not actually during the football games. But we went down. Uh, we made a Tubbs field trip. The three of us hung out and watched one Zach Kloss game there, and that was it. And I had zero interest in ever returning for a Zach Kloss team. I am just excited to actually go experience this new arena for the first time i have a feeling attendance is probably going to go up maybe we'll see that second set of bleachers get broken out more than once every few years just all in all it it feels like a weight is lifted off of the shoulders of the few proud veggie fans left and and now we can finally eat some steak well hey we're gonna hit the comments in a section dallas but i guess let me put it this way for the first time Honestly, maybe the first time ever since I've been a Vandal fan. We have a football season where there's reason to expect Idaho is going to be competing for the playoffs from day one, which will then roll into a basketball season where there's universal excitement also bleeding, getting some of that energy blood over from football. That honestly, like I know some schools, uh, some fans have got to live that at different schools at different times for a lot of years. 
I've never known that in my time as a vandal. My time as a vandal started in 05. Never has never not even had a single year. I can think where we have, we thought walking into both football and basketball season, the upcoming year, we got to be like, Oh my God, we're going to have two fun sports at the same time. So look, buckle up and enjoy the ride guys. Just like we've said with football, things change guys leave, enjoy the staff we have while they're here. Hopefully they kick ass again, but Hey, enjoy these good times. Don't stay. Look at Montana state. They just won conference and basketball twice in a row, then lost everyone. So if you've got excitement coming your way, like Idaho does, strap in, enjoy the ride. Uh, Want to hit the comment section for a couple things. Uh, first, we have Why Not 51, one of our listeners who happens to know that case, Why Not Dude, uh, who said, yep, there's a chance, talking about Chance Case, case Why Not, current uh, current Lapway High School junior, who's be, been recruited by about half the big sky. Uh, and other D1 schools as well. Is there a chance that la that case why not comes to Idaho? No, absolutely. Uh, look, I think why not would be a great fit with what Pribble's trying to to get put this roster together to be of guys who are tall and you know six five and taller, athletic, and can shoot. Case why not checks all those. I hope the dude's interested in Idaho. Um, we have Tom Kendall saying hashtag moving on. Absolutely. In reference to you guys know what Mike, my first comment we've seen out of Mike for a while. Good to see Good to see Mike here saying school year is over. Any chance you can get out of the principal's office? That is a great question. Mike's talking about the uh, moratorium or ban uh, in simple language of coaches coming on tubs of the club. Uh, we're going to see, uh, because I can tell you, I think it's really dumb that Alex Pribble is not be able to come on the show and meet the Vandal family online. Uh, it would be, you know, the, the views we get for the show for an interview like that would be considered a kick-ass in-person event, but we're going to find out. Uh, yeah. So Mike, thanks for asking. Uh, that's something for me to research on Tom Kendall. Awesome. Good to know. Why not 51 love watching you and your son play uh, Jason Mayer saying George Pfeiffer level. Thanks to the PTSD, Jason captain 58 cannot wait to see a team with a real philosophy on both ends of the court. Yep, absolutely. And yeah, dude, that's most of the comment section. So Dallas, Hey, we're, we're, we've hit basketball pretty hard. We talked over football. Anything else you want to hit on? Uh, I know that we'll get to more about Carrie, Amy and the women's team at a future date. But again, I, I know that uh, I mentioned again, the timing of the John Newley thing, not awesome. The resume of Carrie Amy, pretty awesome. I don't yeah, I don't really know, Brian, how to how to feel about this. Football should be good. We have a new start with with men's basketball. We have a women's basketball coach that again the, the timing was weird, but resume speaks for itself. Hopefully she's gonna succeed here just like she did at other levels of basketball. What are we supposed to do when if this works out and we have three teams, the th the three tent poles of Idaho athletics. If all three of them are good at the same time, what are we supposed to do? I think what we're supposed to do is show up. Yeah, Martin, that sounds good. Martin, yeah. you're, you're hopping in. You got something to jump in on. I was going to make a joke and then Brian took it in a very different way in a more serious tone. I thought he was talking tubs and I was going to go, uh, we get way too excited on the show and just go too crazy. Something else. Well, yeah. I'll explain later. Well, that is, 
Jesus Christ. That is absolutely sorry. Dude, that's an option. So look, just because you brought up Dallas, look, I'm I'm going to, to acknowledge the the women's situation. Look, Beyonce B, by the way, just committed to Washington State. So uh, WSU just landed the best uh, male and best female basketball players at, that Idaho had last season. I see hashtag shirtless shows. Uh, I'm pretty sure that's Martin's idea of what to do. Um, no, the women's thing is weird because like look, I referenced Alex Pribble and look, Jason Eck. There, I don't know how you can possibly have a higher approval rating right now than Jason Eck with Idaho fans because there's absolutely nothing to feel except being stoked about a first year turnaround and now promise for more. Um, Alex Pribble has the virtually unanimous approval rating right now of he replaced a guy who's catastrophically shitty, so everyone's going to view view him as a huge step up because it would. I don't think it's possible for him to be not significantly better than Zach Claus. So look, people are suspending disbelief about what that could mean because he's a new coach, but that that's part of the tradition of, Hey, a guy deserves to get fired. We bring in someone new. So now we're excited for our savior to come in. Um, the Carrie Amy thing is different uh, because Alex Pribble's done no work to get that universal uh, approval. Um, Carrie Amy's going to have to win games to get approval at that way. It's not, it's not Carrie Amy's fault, but Everyone wanted Zach Kloss gone. Everyone wanted Paul Petrino gone at the time those two guys were fired. That's just not the case with John Newley. Um, it's not Amy's fault. I don't think, it, look, you should hold that against Terry Golick. You shouldn't hold that against Kerry Amy. Um, I'm hopeful that the women team turn it around. Um, they've got a lot to do, especially with B officially leaving. But fingers crossed you can do that. Um, but Dallas, you you hit on it though. What if, hey, what if we have big turnarounds on all three? Like that. Again, that is so goddamn wild to think. We lived through the Paul Petrino and Zach Kloss eras. And we might then be rewarded after that with two exciting as hell seasons. Because look, this was brought up in the comment section by Captain58. Look, we're, you were correct, Dallas, to not say Idaho's going to win the Big Sky. But hey, the Big Sky in basketball is wide open next year. Montana State lost virtually everyone. Eastern lost their top two players uh, to transfer and graduation. Um, Idaho, if they didn't have... Again, the wor- like the worst coach in the history of coaching probably wins easily seven or eight more games. And suddenly we're talking about, you know, Idaho is a, a team that's, you know, at least competing in the Big Sky Conference tournament. I guess the thing I want that my my big what if is, look, the Big Sky Conference basketball tournaments in Boise, that's de facto home court advantage for Idaho. What if we all had reason to actually pay attention to the Big Sky Conference basketball tournament? What if we had reason to go travel that? Uh, what if... What if Idaho actually wins a couple games? So then, you know, we're, we're talking whoa, about Ryan. conference. What if Idaho wins one game? Let's let's pump the brakes a bit. You're right, but like here's the okay, here's the reason why the Boise thing to me matters is Idaho does have a fan base that will show up. Football took a little bit of time to wake up, but by the second half of the football season, attendance was a lot better. Mm-hmm. Basketball is going to be the same way, but there are vandals who will show up to games. We just have to quit teaching them year in and year out that you don't have to pay attention to the biggest sports in college athletics, which has been happening for basketball for the last half decade. What, like, what if Purple's good? And then, hey, we're looking at a conference semifinal game that is 90% to 100% capacity in Boise with 60% Vandal fans, man. Like, obviously, they got to win games, but like, at least the fun stuff is now theoretically on the table. I don't know if I am ready to hope that much, Brian, because I don't know if I'm ready to get that hurt, but that dream is unbelievable. Could you imagine how loud that place would be rocking for the Vandals 
in a conference semifinal game, or if they got somehow to the conference final game in Boise. Vandals winning titles in Boise is is a dream of mine, and we haven't seen it, but maybe Pribble's the guy. I hope Pribble's the guy. I We're coming out of such a dark place that, that that feels like it's too far off in the distance for me, but I'm ready to be excited. Let me hit one more that's off in the distance way too far but hey like the point of look the point of talking about this is not to just dissect things that don't exist what if idaho basketball dallas was good enough that it was worth the time of washington state and boise state to look at scheduling idaho That's really that's a, that's about the only reaction i mean that's the i think that's the the one thing we don't harp on enough Zach Kloss is pretty, I mean, it's technically indirectly responsible, but pretty directly responsible for the loss of the Wazoo-Idaho game because the program fell to such a low point that Wazoo couldn't schedule Idaho anymore. And I, as as irritated as I get that BSU and Idaho don't play in Boise that one, you know, over Christmas break every year, I also can't blame them for not scheduling Idaho anymore either. You know, a couple of years ago, I was a little bit more angry. Nowadays, honestly, I'm shocked the Bible schools are scheduling Idaho. So to see Idaho reignite rivalries with both Wazoo and the school in Boise and potentially be good and maybe even win a conference game, maybe get some more fans in the seats, I feel like there's a shoe that's going to drop. I don't feel like I'm allowed to have that many nice things at once. Yeah, last thing, and then we're going to hit the comment section close, is... We haven't talked much on the show about the Boise State scheduling because for so long, again, like Idaho, Idaho had no leg to stand on because they, they they were terrible. For the last half decade, Idaho basketball has not been worth scheduling for a school like Boise State. For football, if you're into the idea of Idaho playing Boise State, again, like Idaho was I know wasn't good enough in the Paul Petrino time for that to be something that was interesting to me from the Vandal fan end of, Hey, what if we upset Boise state? What does that mean? Well, not Idaho football is good. Like that, that to me is a more intriguing potential conversation because it could of what it would mean for the Vandals and just what it would mean to devastate Boise state. But on the basketball end, look, it's indefensible that Idaho isn't playing Boise state in the Olympic sports, except when Idaho sucks so bad that it's not worth it because Boise state is at the level where they're making the NCAA tournament and Idaho still hasn't won a single big sky conference basketball game when they have de facto home court advantage. So again, look, these things have to actually capitalize all listeners with the brain know that. So look, we, we, we understand that is the asterisk, but, Dude, it just feels good to actually have reason to be stoked. Hit in the comment section really quick. Tom Kendall saying homecoming game might be close to a sellout. That's this season against Montana. So Jesus Christ, get your tickets for that. Uh, hotels are already essentially done for Idaho, Montana. So uh, buy your tickets. James Howard, we show up for bowl games. Why not basketball? If we had a reason, of course. Exactly, James. That's what we're hitting on. Tom Kendall, I missed the one BSU-Idaho game in Boise, which Dallas, Dallas was talking about. I wanted to come back to home and home. So that it so that Boise gets to actually come to Idaho and the people in the northern part of the state get to experience the game. And then the people in the southern part of the state get to experience it in Boise as well. But look, at least something is what needs to be there. Um, and then hey, Captain 58's no brainer. We should play those games talking about Boise State. And then Tom and Kendall can't agree more in hoops. Can't agree, agree in hoops, not in football. Hey, that's a discussion for a different day when we're not past one hour in but anyway dudes uh we've got one more episode i would tease what it is 
but I have no, no idea what in God's name we're going to do next week. So uh, if we get something exciting, we'll post it. If we don't get something exciting, we'll pretend mm. we found something and post it. Maybe it'll be a hashtag only tubs episode. It could be a hashtag only tub episode. By the way, that's a uh, patreon.com backslash tubs at the club. Help us out uh, with subscription. We also with anyone who joins our only tubs, that's where we drop our tips. We don't try to break news like on Twitter or by publishing articles. We give our inside info and rumors to our discord, which is why, Hey, if you're part of the discord, you knew about Pribble before the announcement, you knew about Brandon Laird before the announcement, you knew about Matt Jones before the announcement. Uh, David Dunham was the one we missed, but whatever. Hey, we did okay for, for operation. Um, also, if you uh, if you want to support the show, hit subscribe on YouTube. Once we get to a thousand subscribers, YouTube has to pay us something. And then obviously like, like our stuff on Facebook, uh, review, podcast reviews, all the shit that makes our show look good. All of that helps. But anyway, Dallas, uh, after our last little commercial, I'm ready to call it a night. Uh, you, I don't know if you can see yourself, but Dallas definitely has Dallas has the look right now on his on this frozen screen. Like he is ready for us to have our uh, month long rehash of the Zach Kloss career, which is, of course, oh. not going to happen. But Dallas, closing words. Um, good riddance. The bad man is gone. He can't hurt us anymore. I'll welcome the Pribble Dribble. Hashtag only tubs. Go Vandals. Go Vandals. This is producer Brian doing a terrible job of even finding what we're going to play us out with. So I'm just going, we're just going to call it good. See you guys Tuesday.